also meant to mention in the Daredevil episode, there's a lot of elements of Daredevil that I think come from the two Burton movies. But interesting. We can talk about that on another day. All right. about all you shaggy goose egg boys and welcome back to a very special episode of Alpertino's prison team it's special for a few reasons number one i finished my notebook now i'm all out of pages <gasps> no uh it's okay i already have another one uh and the other reason is we have a new theme song this week it was supposed to debut two episodes ago because that was episode number 30 but as you are aware since we know you listen to every episode like the good little boys you are uh we were hacked by megatron and our theme song was lost but it's back. We got a new one this week. Thank you, Avery Lawn. Uh, if you have not listened to his EP yet, Loves a Game, that's okay. I haven't either, but you should. Because he did our music. Also, I'm Thomas, and with me is Jake. Okay, for a second, I thought I forgot what movie we were doing. Because I watched Tango and Cash last night, and they get electrocuted like three times in that movie. So I thought you were imitating that, but... He was not. He's imitating, I'm assuming, somebody tripping on drugs because today we are doing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And this is actually one of my favorite movies. Which, it's on It's on the poster wall. It's on the wall. How many there. times have you seen it? Two. But okay. I really, really like it This the first was also time. my second time watching it. I watched it in my dorm room. So at least a year ago, maybe two years ago, I borrowed it from somebody whose name starts with Nick. Oh, okay. I was about to say, because isn't, isn't this also one of Nick's favorite movies? I think he has the Criterion one, yeah. Okay, because I know so The probably. Fisher King is his like favorite movie. Which is also Terry Gilliam. Yes. Which, by the way, Terry... If you didn't know, Terry Gilliam is a part of... My Python? There you go. Uh, he actually started out as their animator, but uh, so he's the guy that has a heart attack in My Python and the Holy Grail. Flashback to episode whatever that was. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't listened to that... Go check that out if you want to learn about politics, I still, baby. I still remember the title. It was The Death of Hollywood. I and think. that's exactly right. Something like that. Uh, but I do want to say this movie, I feel like... Hold on, let me go turn off the fan. I don't know if you can Okay, I, I was going to... I forgot to ask you about that. So, so you can tell them something real quick for like 10 seconds. About Fear and Loathing? I don't know. Uh, so Terry Gilliam, super funny dude. And this movie is not very funny. It's right, weird. And it's like, while I'm watching this, if you've seen it, you probably feel like Benicio del Toro while you're watching this movie because he's like, you can't see what I'm doing, but he's like, Jake uh, just did something that could be considered a slur, but it was a motion. Um, anyways, I think that this movie could only be made by Terry Gilliam, and uh, there's only one. This, this happens a couple times with directors, but the only other one I have come across is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I think could only have been made by Edgar. Edgar Wright. Wright. I think I agree with that. Which is interesting because both of these movies flopped at their release. Which and is a shame. Fear and Loathing both... actually has a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yo, yeah, hold on. Let me it look like it up. It has like a 43, Yeah. I think. Well, that's because... Which I think that might have been what swayed me over. Initially, this was one of the movies I did not want to let Jake put in the fishbowl. Oh, 49%. But uh, it's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, so that might have swayed me over. And then Jake's argument is that... Uh, I don't remember your argument. Do you remember well, your argument? I don't remember my initial it argument. Something like but... It has meaning, but people don't understand it. Okay, then yeah, because it, like it, it's so... So, as I've mentioned before, is that like I view films now, at least that we talk about on here, as everything is intentional. And a lot of times, it probably isn't. But I think this film specifically, there is just so much going on that is intentional, but it's a drug trip. And so it's so convoluted and, and it gets lost in just the absurdity of the film. And so I think it's, it's really hard to pick out what it is in a casual viewing, which most of the films that we do on here, if not all are meant for casual viewing. And this, you cannot understand the meaning of this 
in a casual viewing. So that's my argument. Okay, so that I will agree with. However, because I was going to mention, uh, I, I, I was going to mention that I granted this time I watched it with an analytical view, but I felt that the meaning was very blatant and in your face throughout the whole film. No, I agree. So, but also uh, you got to think about who we are, Thomas. With the Shaggy Usei boys. That's right. And always so, on the prowl for a mystery. I talked about this. You know why? Because self-identity images everything. That's what there it was. There you go. I was talking about this in the Transformers episode. Is that like I was watching. Be careful Impractical mentioning Transformers. We might get hacked again. I was watching. Uh, Impractical Jokers. Right. In the same room. And I started analyzing that when I would accidentally look at it. So I think especially at least my nature. And I, and I think that your nature too is just to already have a naturally analytical eye when viewing any kind of film, for the most part. So I, I do think it's, and I'm not saying this to be pretentious, I'm just saying yeah, as okay. a fact is that like we tend to... Yeah, we're smarter than you guys. That's not what I said. It's okay. There you go. I've, I've said that everyone's dumb several times, including you. Oh. Sometimes me. Then yeah, we're smarter than you. But uh, anyways, um, I guess I'll recap. Can so you? This well, I, I've got I've got a plan. I think. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, this movie is actually based on a book, which is kind of autobiographical, written by Hunter S. Thompson. So um, that's like a journalist dude. I don't know really anything about him other than this movie, but uh, Johnny Depp is playing Hunter S. Thompson in this movie under the alias Raul Duke. So this movie is based on his book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas which was originally written as he was a, he was like a newspaper guy, a journalist, I guess is the word for that. Um, Hunter S. Thompson was going to go and write about the mint 400, which is the dirt race in this movie. But instead of taking like notes and editing his piece or whatever, his plan was to just write down every single thing that happened that weekend in a notebook and then send it off for publication unedited. So I'm not sure if that actually became the book that was published or not, but that was the original intent. So this movie is based on as what is essentially a fever dream of a book. And I would definitely say it's very much a fever dream of the movie. So the basic plot is they're on a road trip, uh, Johnny Depp, Raul Duke, and uh, Benicio Del Toro slash Dr. Gonzo. And they pick up a hitchhiker played by Tobey Maguire. And then they kick him out because they're on drugs. And they go to the Helltale and then they think everyone's a lizard. And then they go to the dirt race and then it's real dirty. And then they go somewhere else. And then the Dr. Gonzo is like, peace out, I left. And so then Raul Oh, he's Duke, having a super bad trip in the hotel room. Yes. And then Raul Duke is like, oh, man, uh, I'm going to leave because I don't want to pay the tab. And then he sees the hitchhiker again. And he's like, oh, no. So then he goes back. And then Gonzo's like, man, I booked a hotel for you on the other side of Las Vegas. And then Raul Duke's like, oh, my bad. So then he goes in the hotel. And then Gonzo's like, surprise, I was here with this girl who's random. And so they give her the random girl, and they're like, whew, that's over. Uh, and then random girl shows up two, two, two more times in the film. And then um, then what does he take? He takes something. Raul oh, Duke takes something it's from the, the adrenaline the, gland. Yeah, it's like the, And he has like a super bad trip for an unnumbered amount of days. Um, and then he drives Gonzo to the airport. And then Raul Duke finishes his little book on the typewriter and drives off into the sunset. And that's the basic gist of it. There's a lot more trippy things that happen and a lot more midgets in between because if you didn't know, Terry Gilliam loves little people for some reason. I know midget and apes. The, midget was not the correct term. I apologize. But in all of his movies, there are little people. I didn't know that. Yep. Wait, what's the other one that you said? Other what? Oh, I have. You seen said the, the Fisher one. King. No. I don't know if there's any in that one because that's an American. No, movie. no, no. Oh, oh, but he did that. Yeah. Wait, okay. He also well, made it's... Time Bandits, which has which has a lot of people, and he also a lot I of have little not people. Seen that one. I grew up with that one. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, and then there's also there's Brazil, which is very good. I would argue one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, and that one has at least one little person in it. I don't know how many more. Wait, the man who killed Don Quixote. I want to watch yeah, that. That's pretty recent. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he directed that. He... Wait, when did he die? He's not dead. Oh, who's who's the one that died? Who? What are you? What are you talking about? One of them died. One of who? Um, Monty Python. Yeah, I don't know because John Cleese is still alive and Eric Idle is still alive, and I don't know any of the other ones. Okay. But anyways, we're not talking about Monty Python, and we're not talking about Terry Gilliam's filmography. We were talking about little people, but I would rather get off of that subject before we get ourselves into any more trouble. And now we're talking about TK Baja. Take a look at this, Thomas. Take a look at this guy. Does he look like the guy on the cover to you? Is it a dude from Borderlands? Yeah. 
Doesn't he? Kinda. Look at that. All right. Well, this is not a video games podcast. This is a movie podcast, and we're here to talk about meaning. All right. So, I do have something that I think this movie is pretty clearly about. Before I mention that, I want to say that themes of paranoia and reality run throughout this whole film. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's clearly because of the drugs. They're paranoid in certain situations, and then things are presented to the audience as the true reality when, in fact, it's just a drug trip. But we're experiencing the world through the lens of these characters. Uh, so the, the other thing I would say... People look like lizards in the walls, start turning into the carpet and all that jazz. Excuse me. The one thing I want to say is that this is an unreliable narrator. Yes. So Roger. anything that happens, you know... Did it happen? Did it happen? Yeah, there you go. Which even uh, Hunter S. Thompson has said about the original book that uh, while he was writing it, it became a fictionalized account of the events that are happening. So even he has admitted that everything in the book did not happen. But Oh, I didn't know that. You don't know. You don't know what happened and what didn't. Here you go. All right, go ahead. All right, well, so like, there's those themes of paranoia and reality that show up uh, throughout. But what I really think, so this is where I'm going to lose a lot of people. But if you've listened to our episode on Talladega Nights, then oh yes, understand. I'm so glad that you said this, that. This movie and Talladega Nights are kindred spirits. Yes, they are. Because a phrase that is repeated throughout this film a number of times is the American dream. That's right. And so I and think that what this film is about is how the American dream is dead. All right. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say the critique of the American dream. Um, and the reason for that is so I rented this from our library here at our campus. And on one of the special features on the DVD was uh, production notes. And listed in the production notes were that Hunter S. Thompson's sequel book to Fear and Loathing was titled A Savage Journey to the Heart of the American Dream. So that's when I was like, all right, I'm on to something. We know here. now. But then, let me go to page five. Well, that's a lot of notes. I was Basically, I just wrote down every time there was a quote that mentioned something about America. And it took up a lot of pages. Um, and then there's also a quote from Johnny Depp, who played Hunter S. Thompson in this film. He said that the book came out at the beginning of the death of the American dream, but Hunter was still out there searching for it, searching madly, hoping that the dream still existed, and all he found was madness in every direction. Okay, this takes place in 1971. Yes, go, uh, which is during the that. Vietnam War. Yes, which in the beginning, um, there was that little montage that was there were it was anti-war, and then one other one. That was. There, it's basically a montage of people protesting the war. Yeah, and then there's the quote at the beginning that was a, uh, uh, "He who makes a beast of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man," and I do want to talk about that eventually. I, yeah, I, I also wrote down that quote because I thought it would come back, but I veered away from it almost immediately. Yeah, because I think largely that has to do with them taking drugs, but then I think you're coming at this from the war angle as well, which mm-hmm. could be argued. Um, but I also will note that there were several. Not necessarily anti-war, but there are several war imageries. Imagery. There is several war imagery throughout the film, and I denoted at least six of them. But then in the beginning, you have, like you just mentioned, that montage, mm-hmm. and then later there's a similar montage when uh, Duke is reminiscing about the times he had in the '60s. Yeah, because that's that's later in the film, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's about halfway through. Okay, um, and I think I think the Vietnam War was also going on at that point. Right. I'm not sure exactly when it started. Uh, and then there's also several times where there's um, war going on on the television screen, whether it be in yes. a movie or actual news accounts. Well, and then at one point there's even Richard Nixon on the TV. Yeah, well, that's that's during the adrenal gland. Yeah, I'll just call the it the call it the Satan trip. Um, but yeah, so when he walks in, Benicio del Toro is watching a. I, I'm going to call it a kaiju movie because I don't know what it is. It was like a giant spider. It was a giant spider and the military was fighting it. So it's it. probably like Attack of the 50-Foot Spider or something. Is that a, a movie? Is that a movie? I don't oh, okay. know, but I feel like it is. Well, so when he when he walks in and he does that drug trip, that uh, film pops up a lot in that sequence. And I think that, like you're saying, that points to the idea of war. And I think probably it's... I, mean, I think it's safe to assume it's anti-war, like you said. Oh, because... it's called The Spider. Oh, what is it? A Hitchcock movie? It's from the Birds. But I think that it's, I think it is a critique on just war. Oh, hold on. No, it's Earth versus The Spider. It's on Pluto TV for free if you want to watch it. There you oh, go. Shaggy Goose Egg Boys. Um, but because it's during the bad trip, 
it's like war and destruction. And he's like, oh, oh. Exactly. Well, like that. actually, in that trip, Nixon comes out of the TV and is going, sacrifice, sacrifice, yes. sacrifice. Yes. Which I'm sure there's commentary there. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is. Because <sighs> I, I, I don't know the context of that speech. I'm also going to say I looked it up. This movie takes place roughly a year before the Watergate scandal. So Nixon wasn't necessarily in negative view of the public yet. Well, oh, oh, you know what? That's what it was. That was the, that was another piece of the montage was that like they were protesting Nixon like he's he's a criminal. OK. And so that's what that was. I am not a crook. That hurt my head. I bet it did. Was that all you trying to goose egg boys? Email in. Tell me if that was a good Nixon uh, impersonation. I mean, I've never met Nixon, so I don't know what it sounds like. It's also, it's also Vice Principal Chalmers from uh, The Simpsons. That's what he sounds like, too. Oh, okay. Because he's got those jowls. Those jowls? Yeah, yeah. Those, those big old beagle flaps. So, I mean, there's there's several quotes throughout about the American dream, but I certainly think that's the focus of this. And before I read that quote uh, from Johnny Depp, I just would I would assume that this film is about, like, what is the American dream and does it even exist? Because there's a point... Um, this this is also about halfway through the film. I think this is after Gonzo has left Vegas initially, and um, Duke questions to himself why he's in Vegas. He's like, "Well, am I really here to write a story, or, or am, am I, I here, here to just a trip on right. drugs?" And then he says this. He said because he's walking through the casino at like four in the morning. He says, "Who are these people? These faces? Where do they come from? They look like caricatures of a used car dealership in Dallas. And sweet Jesus, there are a hell of a lot of them out at four thirty a.m." on a Sunday morning, still humping the American dream. That vision of the big winner somehow emerging from the last-minute pre-dawn chaos of a stale Vegas casino. And then immediately after that quote, he bets on a game himself and loses. And then he says, no, no, calm down, learn to enjoy losing. So I take that to mean that the American dream is unachievable, that it is dead. You have all these people pining away at 4.30 in the morning trying to achieve it, but in this era, this era of the Vietnam War and controversy and Watergate, uh, the American dream seems to be dead. It's very contradictory, too, because the basis for what the American dream originally was was work hard and like work hard, work long or whatever, and then you'll make it. But being set in a Las Vegas casino, that's the opposite. But I but I think. This is why I say more a critique than maybe a death is that these people are still trying to make it, but just in the wrong way. They're trying to essentially get rich, get rich quick, which right. is not how you do it. And so <clears throat> Duke makes that point. He's like, he's like, no, no. He's saying walk away. Don't get don't get sucked into this vacuum of hoping to to make it big in one easy step. But that it takes, you know, the work. I like I like that you use the word vacuum because earlier in the film, he refers to the American dream as a vortex. So this is in the scene uh, when they're at the circus and they're tripping. the first time. They don't go to the circus once. Oh, well, the, there, there's this. Yeah. Yeah. The first time. OK. At the beginning. Uh, although the one at the end. I want is, to take the ether. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah. at the end uh, is. Yes. Is, is the one at the end is at, during the Satan trip. Satan trip. But. It starts off with the same quote that this one starts off with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a false version of this event, which would also explain why that dude was like in a gimp suit and the monkey was smoking a cigar. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, But this this is this is during the circus the first time when they're tripping and Gonzo says that the place is getting to him and they need to leave and that he's afraid. Oh, so okay. I, I do want to talk about that. Duke responds. He says, nonsense. We came here to find the American dream. And now that we're right in the vortex, you want to quit? You must realize, man, we found the main nerve to which Gonzo responds. That's what gives me fear. And so I like that you said vacuum because vortex to me kind of supports that same thought in that uh, the American dream is getting sucked into this idealized version of reality that can never be true. But then also what's interesting about this quote is immediately before this, uh, Duke refers to the Bazooka Circus as the Sixth Reich. He says something along the lines of it's if the Nazis had won World War II. This is what the world would be like. And then less than 10 minutes later, he's saying that this is the American dream. Yeah. Which is, again, like you said, that's very contradictory. It is. And and they they mention uh, Nazis several times throughout the film. Yeah. And hold on. I don't know exactly 
how um, strict of an adaptation this is. I would assume most of the voiceover comes directly from the book, but the juxtaposition of that and most things throughout this film, I do think were very intentional on how they were written. It's possible. So it's possible then that this also is a critique on the system itself is possibly saying that it's was created by like, I'm just thinking about this because you said that. um, So this might come out a little wonky, but like, like the thing that's going like, it's a, it's a bias system. Right. Inherently. So like the Nazis were like, we hate the Jews. And that was a system based on prejudice. Right. And so even, even here, uh, making it analogous to the, you said sixth Reich. Yeah. That's what he says. The Nazis was the third Reich. So that implies that there'd be two more Reichs in between this, which I find pretty funny. It was only 30 years later, but, uh, yeah, that's what he says the sixth Reich. So, so it's an, it's analogous to the Nazis, which is interesting. Um, because he also, uh, Johnny Depp also says in this scene, uh, when he's talking about Benito Torres, like, I don't want to go in the elevator. He yeah. says, that's exactly what they want us to do. Trap us in a steel box. Which, and that elevator quote uh, right there means one thing. But then later in the film, I think it takes on another meaning. Because we learned that earlier that day, they were in an elevator. And Benito del Toro's character thought that a girl was hitting on him. And it does not end very, very well for anyone no, in that scene. Not at all. Well, and there's another elevator scene, too, um, later in the film. With the old lady? Yes. And the okay. cop there, Yeah, there's, a one, there's one point in the film where this old lady appears to be getting arrested. I assume it's because she was like cheating on the on the slot machines or something. It's not really explained. And it may not be real. Because also in that scene, uh, Duke begins to question his reality. Um, verbally. Yes. But but in but in the is there even an elevator in the circus? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, right in that scene there's a spinny thing. The carousel. No, 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 no. The with the darts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it says. I, I forgot know to write it down. About. It's the thing in Greece that they walk in during like the we go together, like shoot it a boop pop da da boop pop. It's like that spinning tunnel thing. But what is but what is the uh No 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 it's the the, the for the dart oh, and the no. guy's spinning All on right. it. He's talking about the the guy, like there's a dude strapped to the thing and he's like, Oh no, you're gonna throw a knife at me, don't hit me. That thing. But what there's a quote on that thing. Oh, I don't know where it is. Oh, okay. I need to find this. And it's but probably also, not actually there. It's probably part of the trip because there's several things throughout that are written on things that I don't believe would actually be there. Like there's one point where uh, Duke is driving down the road and something's written on an ape statue. I don't remember what it said, but there's something like, Get out of here, we hate you, something like that. Well, and then also in that same like sequence, there's a there's a there's a guy with a KKK mask on. Yes, at the at the circus, right? Which also, is another analogous, you know, to the bias inherent in the system. Pin from Pin and Teller is in the circus scene. What does that mean? Is I, he? I don't know, but he was in there, and that really caught me off guard. What's it called? Bazooki? Bazooka? Bazooka? Bazooku? B A Z O O K O? Which? I read, I think it was in the production notes, that this, the Bazooka Circus, it's fictional. So I wonder if this was added in or if this was all, this was also happened in the book. And right, it me, was just something that Hunter S. Thompson came up with. All right, let me try something. All right, let's see. Are we still talking? Yes, we are. Cool. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to see if this is it. I muted the computer audio. All right. So, so I really, I really want to find this. So Jake, Jake's talking. Oh, there he is. Okay. Pin and Teller. Yeah. That's him. No, just Pin. Yeah. Not tell. Pin and Teller. No. They, they're... Oh, oh, oh. No, not that one. All right, sorry. Keep going. Um, well, so, like, Jake is talking about, like, the reality of the thing and how words appear. If you've played the game Batman Arkham Knight, um, as you go... At the story of that game, kind of spoilers, I guess. Joker is dead, and uh, Batman is hallucinating because the Joker's blood is in his bloodstream. And so throughout the game, you are slowly turning into the Joker and you see things throughout like billboards will change and we'll have Joker's face on them and we'll say, ha, 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 ha. So that's kind of the same thing I think is happening in this film is most of the background images. um, It's very subtle and you might miss it, but most of the background images, if anything feels like it's out of place, it's because we're experiencing the film through their trip. And most of the time they're mixing drugs. So it's not necessarily one trip and. I've I from what I understand when you mix drugs you're more likely to have a bad trip yes than if you just took them straightforward. 
I guess it's right here. All right, so I guess he's still looking for that thing. But speaking of bad trips, I do want to mention a lot of things in this film are juxtaposed and contrasted with each other. Like, let me see. I think I wrote it down. There's one point where, uh, okay, here's one. Near the beginning of the film, Duke asks the hitchhiker if he's prejudiced because Gonzo is Polynesian or something. Yet it is revealed later throughout the film that Gonzo himself is very prejudiced. And there are several elements like that. Well, like there's another instance in the film when uh, Duke is like, oh, drugs in Las Vegas are great together. And then about halfway through, he's like, oh, man, this is the worst town ever to get drugs in. Yes. And then at the end, I think he turns his, uh, he changes his opinion again. And what I think that's supposed to represent is how, like he has, in the film, they have good highs and they have bad highs. And I think that's supposed to represent kind of life in a way. Do they? Do they what? Do they have any good highs? I would say so. At least for moments. But I think that's supposed to be analogous to, to how life, you know, sometimes it's going to be good, sometimes it's going to be bad. And the juxtaposition of the, their comments represents that in a more, in a additional external way than them actually hallucinating. All right, I did find what it said. All right, what does it say? A trip to remember. Nice. I thought it was more substantial than that, but it wasn't. Nice. Also, uh, there's a documentary on Netflix on uh, psychedelics called Have a Good Trip. That's pretty entertaining to watch. If, I, if any of you Shaggy Gusek boys want to get educated in drug culture. I really did like how they used the word trip. It's it's pretty simple. But in this they, movie? Yeah, because they refer to it as like the actual trip to Las Vegas, but also the yeah. trip. Yeah, well, then like that's like one of the original quotes he has when, he's, when they're leaving the initial like diner or whatever. This is... After they picked up the hitchhiker, Duke recounts the story of what happened that morning. And he says, uh, well, why not? I mean, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing, right? This is the American dream in action. Shit, we'd be fools not to ride this strange torpedo all the way out to the end. And I just realized that's not the quote I meant to read. Here it is. All right, so this is while they're at the beach shortly after that scene. Duke says, our trip was to be a classic affirmation of everything right and true in the national character. A gross physical salute to the fantastic possibilities of life in this country. And while he's saying that, he's wearing an American flag like a cape. Yes. So, uh, again, that just goes back to the American dream notion, but then also the trip has multiple meanings. Um, So, right within that scene, um, I think it's that scene. Oh, no, no. It's in the circus scene. The bazooki circus. Bazooko circus. Something happens. I don't remember. Have you ever had bazooka gum? Yeah. I feel like it's good, but I also don't know if it is. I feel like it's, I feel like it's the American dream. You know, it's pretty good. Big League True, Big League Chew, I think is underrated. I agree with on that. It's good to make them bubbles. Yep. All right, continue. But in the circus, he, I don't remember exactly. I think he falls or something happens. Who? Duke, Gonzo. Yo, know, after Gonzo's trying to get off the carousel, Duke kicks him in the butt and then runs around him. Well, something happens. Is that what you're talking about? I don't know, but Gonzo says. Uh, did you see what God just did to us? Oh no, no, that's during that's in the car. Gonzo opens up the thing of cocaine. Oh, and it and spills like, everywhere. It okay, goes everywhere. okay, and, yeah. He's like, "Did you see what God did to us?" And Duke is like, "You did that, you idiot!" Something like that. Yeah, um, but I just wanted to point that out. That divine intervention. Yeah, and but then Duke immediately refutes that by saying, "Like, no, you did that." So, so it's okay. almost as if he doesn't believe in a God. Which I is, don't steal my thunder, Thomas. All right, America is seemingly. I like. I'm using the word analogous today a lot. Um, it's the day. Um, it's a secret word. That's for that, all the old folks that listen. That often God is associated with America. It's in our anthem. It's in our. Which it wasn't always. It was not always, but there is this misconstrued idea that uh, America was founded on with the basis of religion but most of the founding fathers were deists. Anyways, that, that, could, that could point to your idea of rather a death than merely a critique. Because let's say, for the sake of argument, America was based in the ideals of God or Christianity or however you want to say that. And then Gonzo mentions that and then Duke refutes that. That could be a symbolic of a death. Right. Um, I actually wasn't going to mention what you said. I was going to say that in that scene, it seems like he doesn't believe in a God. And then that's brought up again in the final monologue of the film, which I did write down the whole thing, but I'm just going to read one sentence from it. And he's talking about this guy, Tim Leary, 
who basically destroyed the very ideology that he created. He says, a generation of permanent cripples, failed seekers who never understood the essential old mystic fallacy of the acid culture, the desperate assumption that somebody or at least some force is tending the light at the end of the tunnel. And now that sentence doesn't actually take a stance either way on if someone is at the end of the tunnel or not. But I definitely think Hunter S. Thompson or Raoul Duke uh, leans towards the idea that there is nobody there. Hmm. Okay. Um, but then back to the American dream and the death of it. Another reason I think that it is the death and not necessarily and more so than the critique is because throughout the film, there are several American flags and most of them are not treated in a very, uh, American flag way. Yeah. So for most people in this country, the American flag is a symbol of nationalism and nationalism. If you look up the definition and know what nationalists have been historically, nationalism is not a good thing. Patriotism is a good thing, but nationalism is not. All right. I'll give you boys a, uh, definition. Identification with one owns nation and support for its interest, especially to the exclusion or de- detriment of the interests of other nations. Right. So nationalism is essentially like, my nation's better than yours, suck it. And the, the, for most people, what I the analogy I use is a lot of sports fans are nationalists for their team. And yes. Most, most sports fans are not very kind to other sports fans that have, are fans of the opposite team. Also, the Nazis, that stands for the Nationalist Socialist Party. So there you go. Um, the but- most notable, at least for me, most notable uh, flag symbol here is when during the Satan trip, he's using it as like a bib. Yes. That, and that is one of the ones I was going to mention. But I was going to bring him up chronologically. I, there's that first one um, where he's like on the beach and he's using it as a cape. Right. And then the next time we see, I could miss a few, but I got most of them. The next time we see one is at the Mint 400, and it's a tattered American flag, uh, which could be seen as a commentary on how this a race is not held very highly in America, but they held, they hold themselves very highly. Um, Duke mentions something like that. He says something like that. Yeah. Uh, then later, Duke uses an American flag to get high off the ether at the circus. Yes. He dips it in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they huff it. To get high They're getting of high off the American Which, dream, baby. That's probably, there you go. That's probably um, the same flag he uses as a bib later. And then late, and then in their hotel room, there's a flag hanging between the two beds, which would be like dividing them. Mm-hmm. That's probably commentary. Also, uh, tangent from that, I think every scene or sequence in this film could be dissected and have its own individual meaning. But the idea of the American dream and the critique or death of it is what I think is prevalent throughout. Uh, in the second hotel room, there's a drooping American flag. And then this is when he takes the, uh, a the Satan gland. trip. Yeah. Yeah. And then he uses it as a bib. Right. A few things happen. He uses it. He, well, first of all, he gets in the bed with a crumpled up flag. Uh, and then he uses that bed as a, that flag as a bib. And then he walks over to the a drooping American flag that is hanging up and falls to the ground and pulls it down on top of him. And that's what causes him to black out. And then he wakes up. And then he wakes up, and then everything's gone to shit. His hotel room is trashed. And there is a American flag painted on the wall in what appears to me to be blood. Blood, yeah. However, there is like an outline of a body right next to it that he says is ketchup. So maybe it was just ketchup. But that's a lot of freaking ketchup. Well, because he then goes on later to describe how like people can get a lot away with a lot of crime in this town. Right. When, when he's looking at the knife and it's got it's covered in red stuff. Well, and also that body, uh, they were throwing knives at it. So maybe that's uh, going back to what you were bringing up about the good trip. Thing. Yeah. Maybe that's bringing that image back. But there's a photo of Richard Nixon's head at the top of that. And it has a knife in the forehead. And so the, immediately before that, we saw the scene where Nixon was like, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Um, so it's very clear that whoever they had over had a disdain for Nixon. And then the, the final image of the film is Duke driving down the interstate I-15. And then an American flag is attached to the broken top of the car. And it flows behind the car like a cape in the wind. And Duke seems to be very uh, happy and joyful in that scene. So it would appear that by the f- end of the film, he perhaps has rejuvenated his hope for an American dream. But... It took very, very many lows. I would say a few highs to get there. 
Yeah, I'm. So I'm, I guess so. Maybe maybe like the overall meaning is the American dream is dead unless you believe in it. But what's most interesting about this film, I would say, given that we think that's the meaning, is it was made by a foreigner. Terry Gilliam is not American. Asia wanted in Brits, I any so yeah. There is one American in Monty Python, but I don't remember who. It oh is. well, that's why he hates. Uh, that's what? why he hates the American dream. Well, but this is all ripped from Hunter Tom- Hunter S. Thompson, who is American. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, he's a Brit too. Nope. I do want to mention the sacrifice thing. Um, with Nixon? Yeah. Oh, let me let me mention the bib first. Or I guess kind of all of them it, it's a, it's an interesting contradiction there too because all of them although symbolically meant to um I need a word to say something that destroys it, but a fancy word. Eradicate. Eradicate the American Rat-a-tata. dream. Eradicate the American Rat- dream. Eradicate is a Pokémon. Yes, Take he is. Um but Wait, also, did you see the Pokemon Direct the other day? They're no. doing like an open world Pokemon game. I did. I knew that, but I. I, I was excited a, for the idea of it, and then I watched the trailer, and I was not excited. Graphics, Pokemon graphics are bad, bro. Especially in the generations. Well, it's not necessarily graphically, but I don't know. Something feels weird about seeing a Pokemon out in the wild and throwing it, throwing a ball at it in 3D instead of seeing just like rustling grass. I agree. Which, which it feels wrong. It it doesn't feel like Pokemon. But I digress. Back to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But then also the American flags almost seem to always like help in some way. Yes, but then arguably to your point, most of their trips are bad. And two of those trips are involved with or stem directly from an American flag. Well, no, I agree. And that's why it's, it's, a, it's a bit odd to see that this, this imagery used that way. Well, I think a large part of that is like the juxtaposition. Like I mentioned earlier, there's things that uh, Duke says that contradict himself, that contradicts himself later on and early in the film. And then scenes like that with the American flags, uh, they're juxtaposed throughout the film. And again, I just think that's initially, I was initially thinking it's representative of a good trip and a bad trip, but then it could be representative of the simultaneous belief and non-belief in the American dream. Yeah. Um, And there's, uh, there's another thing that I think Nixon mentions. He talked about the silent majority. Which I think, uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to get canceled if I say this. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to guess that that speech was in response to protests of the Vietnam War. I agree. I agree with that because a lot of the, the people who were talking were the, you could, you could say the opposite, the, 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 the loud minority. And so Nixon wants support for the war, so he's going to say the silent majority for all the people who aren't speaking up. You know, speak up because we're the most, which may not, which may not necessarily be true. Right. But also another Nixon thing, I'm pretty sure. So when Gonzo gets on the airplane for the last time, he stands on the uh, stairs and puts two peace signs up, Mm -hmm. which is Nixon was known to do the peace sign. So I think I think specifically Nixon standing on airplane steps like that, holding up peace signs is a famous image. Uh, by the way, a this, president that does that, I'm pretty sure it's Nixon. This was uh, released in 98. Yes. So it was set in 71, released in 98. Um, uh, oh, better than that. Disgusting. Uh, yeah, see, that's, that's the image I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gonzo does almost exactly that. So the sacrifice thing that Nixon says, which is near the end of the movie, and there's the... Uh, Within the last 30 minutes, I would say. Disgusting. Better out than in, I always say. Hey, Thomas. You gotta eat some ear cheese. I do. Um, but <laughs> later, but um, he's talking to the guy with the ape, and the the guy he says something along the lines of he wants to buy the ape. No, 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 no. Yeah, he does. Okay. He's like, "How much money for that ape?" Oh, I wrote down that quote somewhere. Okay. Uh, yeah, he says, this is it, the American dream. We're sitting on the main nerve right now. And that guy says, yeah, don't get me started. The owner wanted to run away and join the circus when he was a kid, and now he owns it. Ah, man, a real license to seal. And then Duke says, oh, yeah, the American dream come true, man. Pure Horatio Alger. And then the other guy says, yeah, welcome to the happy place. So what I I would say to that is that, like, the American dream – at least the fulfillment of it in this kind of way has victims. 
That's capitalism, baby. And on that, like, sorry if that just piqued your audio. I think I think what Nixon is saying here is that in order for some people to have the American dream, some people can't. They right. have to have the opposite, which is which is this guy. So one guy he now owns the circus. Well, this other guy he owns a monkey, right? And he wears a gimp suit, which. Wearing a, having a monkey isn't a bad thing. But. You almost said wearing a gimp suit. Yeah, wearing a, I almost said wearing a monkey. <laughs> hey, I'd like to wear a monkey if you know what I mean. Um, I do not. Oh, there was something I was going to say, and then I said that, and now I don't remember what the other thing was. Pickle juice. Yeah, I'll remember to drink your pickle juice, kids. You don't want to get cramps while doing a podcast. No, you don't. Um, yeah, I don't know what the other thing Oh, uh, it was something about good trips and bad trips. But I don't know beyond that. So... So all you Shaggy Goose Egg Boy listeners, rewind, figure out what I meant, and you'll know what I meant. There you go. Because you know what? We we may be smarter than you all, but that doesn't mean that you're not smart. Right. You know? Yeah. So Also, I think my favorite part of this movie is at one point Duke like crawls into a cardboard box. And that oh, really and you get when when your friend when you're sleeping at your friend's house but he didn't give you a blanket. Right. That's immediately what I thought. I was of. just thought of the imagination in SpongeBob. Oh, okay, yeah. Um oh, I want to bring up the reptiles or the lizards. Okay. Do you have else to say before that? Or? No. Okay. So he, okay. So, so they're in Las Vegas and a lot of the times. This is like Las the Vegas, first hotel they go to, right? Yes. This is when they're first getting there and they're tripping on acid, I believe. Which by the way, I completely forgot the whole second half of this film. I thought the movie ended right after he saw Tobey Maguire for the second time. Well, I know, I know that there is a huge shift. Like not tonally, but just like the, it's like they, it suffers from the prisoner of Azkaban syndrome is what I call it. They killed Sirius Black. Spoilers. I don't know. Does he die in that one? No, he dies in the fifth one. Okay, I didn't think so. I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Man, that phoenix is really out of order. I tell you what. I continue. Um, But oh, you messed up my train of thought. Choo-choo! Uh, Shout out to Sharkboy and Lava Girl in 3D. Oh, shoot. The Adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl in 3D. But it's not really in 3D because we watch it on Netflix. But 3D's in the title, so you still got to say it. There you go. You remember now? I do. Good. Um... Is that there's the a lot of, of the daydreamer, there's a lot of already kind of rich people there because it's a, it's a nice hotel because he talks about how oh, like yeah. it's a super expensive and then he sees them all as reptiles which I think and not not just reptiles Lizards. but very grotesque almost dark crystal esque do you think this is where the term lizard people came from or did it predate this film I think this film specifically is where it started nice happening. but yeah they're all like this grotesque like. Like, ooh, just gross. Um, and I and I think that that's symbolic of like, I don't just like the the rich people, you know, the rich people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying, Thomas? I know what you. Just like that, and you say was, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, the rich people turn into lizards, and then later in the film, when he wakes up from the Satan trip, he's wearing a lizard tail. All right, so. At this time, it looked like he was wearing it. The first time I saw this, I assumed he was just a lizard. He just had a lizard tail. Hmm. Because then I think he doesn't have it in the next scene. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah, he wakes up, and and I'm not super sure what that means. And it could point to something, you know, like like you said. Well, he's definitely not rich because he has no money. Revitalization of the american dream or it could or because you said you didn't know what the quote was about or maybe this could be pointing to that quote uh he who makes a beast of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man so that so that could point back to that and that that may have to do with like a morality thing as well is that uh, Duke went so far that he became the beast. The beast. The beast. And he and he had no beauty. One thing I do I do think is interesting is there's one point where Duke hallucinates that the other guy is a werewolf, and later on in his career, Benicio del Toro played the Wolfman. It all it's a sequel. That that was just an interesting. It's a sequel to this film. I thought. Um, yeah, I was trying to look up 
if Mark Zuckerberg was born after this movie so that he could be a lizard person after it. He was born before, but Facebook was founded after. So I'm going to say that he got the idea to be a lizard person after this movie. All right. So he says... Duke? Uh, Duke? Yeah, Duke. Um, I think this this is when Benicio del Toro is having that super bad trip in the first hotel room. Where he's like in the bathtub. Yeah, and he's trying to get him to throw the speaker in. Yeah. He said, uh, Duke says, you can always turn your back on a person. But never, never turn, turn your, your back, back on, on drugs. drugs. I did. I wrote that down. What do you think about that? I don't remember. Me either. I was about to say something, but I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but I think it has to do. I think, again, it was something with a bad trip. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to talk about that, but I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but the, the I, what I will say, the second convertible that he gets. The white one? Yeah. He says something along. He said, he, he's talking about it, but then he's like, the esoteric buttons I would never fully understand. Talking about like the bells and whistles on the car. Because he's talking about how like it's like a, this is a car. Essentially he's saying it's the epitome of the American dream. The first car? No, the second car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I remember that. Yeah, because which which I uh, which is super poignant because I think there is a level of idealization and uh, fantasization, fantasization, fantasization that comes along with the American dream is that we assume that it's going to be super grand, and this goes back to the whole idea of the casinos like getting rich quick. We think it's going to be so grand that it's beyond our own comprehension at any given time. So like 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 if if Duke messed around with this car, he would he would know what the buttons would mean eventually, but as of that moment it was out of his reach, so he couldn't understand it. And I think that plays into the American dream too, is just that we all we all well, maybe not anymore, but I think during during this time, like we all just had this idea of how grand the American dream was in the seventies. Yeah. But it wasn't even like anything. It was a car with a bunch of bells and whistles that didn't matter. Right. Cause in my personal opinion, I liked the first car better. The red one. Yeah. Well, it didn't break that one. It didn't. It broke the second one. That's exactly the right. The cars were red and red and white. And then, so if they had had a blue one, they would have had the trifecta. They didn't though. Nope. So that's cause the American dreams broke Thomas. Yep. All right, so speaking of, you said that uh, that maybe at this time the the American Dream was super idealistic or whatever. Yeah, there's a quote in this movie that I wrote down. And I was like, "This is it. This is what it's about." Uh, but the main reason I wrote it down is because I have a phrase that I always tell people is how you need to go through life. You just need to ride the wave. But um, I never thought about what happens to the wave once the wave ends. So the, this quote goes like this, and this is he's talking about Duke is talking about how things were in the '60s. He says we were writing. This is also over the montage of the people protesting the war and stuff. Oh, in the beginning? No, at the end. Oh, in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. Okay. In the middle, we established there's only there's only two. There's one in the beginning and one in the middle. Okay. Uh, he says we were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. So now, less than five years later, you can go up a steep hill in Las Vegas and look west. And with the right kind of eyes, you can almost see the high water mark, that place where the wave finally broke and rolled back. So I still I still am going to keep saying you just got to ride the wave. But which actually I wrote down earlier in this notes about this film. Um, but this is a good point that eventually the wave is going to hit a crest. It's going to peak and then it's going to come crashing down and it's going to end. And I think that this also, so he's utilizing it as an analogy for how people were in the 60s and kind of hoping, what I assume he means is that people were hoping that the world could be a better place, that America could be better. Right. And then at the turn of the decade, all that hope died. But it's also analogous to getting high on drugs because at some point you're going to peak. You're not, you're not going to keep coming up and then you're going to end up going back down. And this is seen initially in the film when um, almost immediately when Duke sees the bats and he's like, oh, man, I, I can't drive anymore. And so then he switches with Gonzo. And then yeah. he says eventually he's going to see the bats. Well, so Gonzo had not peaked yet. Gonzo had not started coming back down. Right. But Duke had. And he did run over a bat, which. Well, but did he? Or was it an, a hallucination? I guess we don't know. 
That's one thing I've always wondered. Yeah. About the bat. I have no idea what the bat means, but but it's there. Um, but yeah, so so no matter no matter how good you think things are going to get, you're always going to have to come back down. But I think the problem with Duke, and he does go up and down throughout the film, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Duke is in this quote, he seems to, it seems like he has given up on the dream altogether. But uh, eventually another wave is going to come and you can ride that one again. And it will come crashing down eventually. But that wave might get higher than the other one. Well, and, and this, okay, two things I want to say that. Number one, there, he does experience a lot of post-high clarity, which is post-high clarity, you know, that's pretty cool. Right. But also, th- what you're saying just now kind of goes to the BoJack quote um, when they're talking about the hokey pokey, that sequence. Yeah. And yeah, turn yourself around. Well, not not even that, but that's a, that's a great quote. Um, but BoJack is like... This is, this is in the finale of BoJack. Um, the series finale. Thomas, help me out because I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. But BoJack's talking about reaching uh, the goal or breaking the record of being. Uh, what's it called when you're AA and you don't drink? Alcoholics Anonymous. No, no, no. But what's steps? It, no, but what's it called when you haven't drunk? Sober. sober, sober. There you go. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach my record of being sober. But what happens when I? lose that record and Todd's like well you just start over and then you'll break and then once you break that record then every day you'll be breaking a new record right I don't know I was talking about that but it had something to do with what you said it's talking about the I said the wave could be could this way the second wave could be higher than the first wave oh yeah yeah so like so even when you get down it's always good to bring yourself back up there you go. Because that's what I'm talking about, baby. You're, eventually, you're going to get down again, but that's no reason to stay down forever. Because you got to keep getting back up. Right. Just like Captain Marvel. You put one foot in front in of the other. trailer. And soon enough, you'll be walking out the door. With cosmic powers. And everyone will be like, you need to smile more. And then you'll be like, no. But then you'll be like, yes. And then you'll give everybody presents. And then you'll get a weird haircut in five years for some reason. Yep. But hey, that's and life, baby. And will be like, that's a weird haircut. That's the American dream. Getting a weird haircut? Yeah. Oh. Also, we were talking about two different movies. What are you talking about? I'm talking about you put one foot in front of the other. Oh, foot loose. And soon enough, you'll be walking out the door. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. You put one foot in front. So is that it? Is that what we think it's about? No, I gotta find this now. You have something else? In front of the other. About Raul Duke and Dr. Gondo? This one. What? This one. I can't see it. Look. You gotta turn. Here, I'll play it. No, don't play it. It's from... We'll get copyright struck in. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, like the stop motion movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't like that one. I don't either. I don't like a lot of... The... I like I like the... I'm Mr. Ice Christmas. I'm Mr. Snow. I don't know what you're talking I'm about. I'm Mr. Icicle. I'm Mr. Timbelow. They call me Snow Miser. Whatever I touch turns to snow in my clutch. I'm too much. I know. I know the rest of the song, but I won't sing the whole thing. Uh, that's from the Year Without a Santa Claus. I love that. That and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I I love. But I ha- I watch Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer every year. I don't Since we're talking over. about uh, drugs, it's 4:20, Thomas. Woo woo! Blaze it. Um. <coughs> regretfully. I don't think anything actually blows up. I'm not done talking about stuff. I asked if you're done. You're like, yeah, but I got to look this up. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. All right, well, then say your thing. All right. The other thing I want to talk about is the the actual convention. Which one? With the cops? Uh, The second one. Yeah, with the cops. The cops? cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's hilarious. And I think this is another. I think that this is more pivotal of the American dream here because the cops that show up to the convention are a lot more like your everyday man than the people in the casino and the cops like may already paid for my room yep and he and then the guys uh what's his name sven i think is what he yeah. says it's like sir you are late your reservation has been moved to somewhere else which is totally fair right absolutely but the cops like no i'm a cop give it to me which i think is uh a display of what the average american dream success quote-unquote looks like what being a cop 
No, just just the the type of man that he was. He probably doesn't make a lot of money, but he lives a quote unquote happy life. Right. You know, which has given him a sort of entitlement. And then I think it's shot down with Sven. Yeah. And it's like, no, just because just because you made it doesn't mean that, you know, you get above the law. Well, I mean, and even Duke calls attention to that because he's like, I knew what the guy was really saying. He was really like, man, get out of here, bro. Yeah, because the cop was definitely the one and wrong here. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the convention itself, I think, is very interesting. And I and I don't know it's necessarily how this ties into the whole film, but there was this uh, disconnect that was happening there because he does write about the acid culture. Um, and there's a, there's a sign entering the marijuana sign. Yeah. It's like 20 years in prison for for possession possession and for sale. It's life, which is ridiculous. Now, granted it was 71, but still, yeah, that's after all those crazy hippies, man. That's insane, man, man, man. Or, Or how does he say it? Man. Hey man, man. But yeah. Oh, are you talking about Johnny Depp? Yeah. And so, but then like the, the guy who's speaking, who he's played something else, but I don't remember who he is. Um, but the guy that's like, there are four types of weed users. That there's, guy, yeah, there's cool. What is it? There's cool. There's cool squares, cool, groovy. And one that starts with an R. Rad. Is it rad? No, oh, a hip. Well, that, hip is that the third one. Hip, it's, it's cool. Know, cool, groovy and squares and groovy. Cool, groovy, squares and hip. There's only four. I don't think that's right. That's right. All it's right. cool, groovy, squares. I thought groovy hip. was the last one. Well, that's not the right order. I'm just saying them. Oh, so it's cool, square, hip, and groovy then. I don't know. Okay. This, he says square last, but that doesn't make sense. But, but regardless, like there's this huge disconnect between the actual users, the the, the weed culture or, or the drug culture, and the people enforcing the law. Right. And that's the last thing I want to say. Like I said, I don't know how it ties to the whole thing, but... You know, well, it was it's there. there. Yeah, it's there. So it has to mean something. I just don't know what. Because um, like, if you like, I said this at the top of the answer, if you've seen this movie, then you know there's just so much stuff happening that is insane. So if you're listening to this and you're a cop, let us know what that means. Let us know what it feels like to be really dumb and not know anything about the drug culture. All right. Uh, no. Yes and no. I I do. I would love to hear your thoughts. Are you talking to on a cop? That. Well, yeah. If okay. a cop is listening, I, I would I would be interested to hear on how you perceive the drug culture as it relates to the uh, police, and also how it just relates to you and your personal. Uh, also, Gary Busey was in this movie. As who? He played the cop that pulled him over. Was oh, like, that wanted to kiss like, him. Give me a kiss. Yeah. yeah. Um, the ginger dead man himself. Yeah. So yeah, let us know. Uh, send that over to pacinopodcast.gmail.com uh, on, with thoughts on that. Or actually, any of our listeners, just how, how they view the drug culture. If you're a drug, let us smoke you. Um, I don't think anything blew up in the actual movie, but things blew up on TV. Yes. So, Two and a half. What does that mean? I right. gave it two and a half. Okay. Because they did blow up. It was an actual explosion, but it was not in real life. And then life. also, I feel something could have blown up in a hallucination at some point, but I don't remember if something did or not. Especially at the circus. Oh, yeah. When they like shot an astronaut baby out of something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which the astronaut baby's in the room at the end of the movie. So I it don't is. Know, I don't know what. That's, that's something. That's um, obviously something. But, yeah. Because they, they like... Uh, Focus in on that. Also, apparently, everyone who is involved with this film has a different account of what happened while they were filming it. So they it was a drug trip. Yeah, this movie was just the filming of the movie. Yeah. All right. So there's that. All you people, all you, all everyone out there listening, I hope all you aliens that are picking up a broadcast, this is what everyone on Earth is like. They're like us? us. Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on the alien. Well, you know what? That's the American dream. But hey, aliens are people too. Well, I mean, they're people. They're not humans. But they're people. Well, what defines a people? A person's a person, no matter how small. Or how green. Okay. Uh, we have a Twitter. And if you follow us, you knew we were going to do this a couple of days ago. And that's why you should follow us. So you know what's up. So you're in the loop. Because you don't want to be outside and the loop. And you could also get a freaking sick beat 
about Bullseye. Yes, you can. And so if you missed that and don't know what I'm talking about, check out our Twitter at... PacinoPod. That's it. That's our Twitter. Um, that's all I have. I Remember to drink your pickle juice, kids. And uh, Two and a half out of five on the PacinoPod. No. Ready or not scale. There you go. And there's something else I think I usually say, but I don't remember what it is. So I'm just going to go ahead and say stop. No. Or not. Because I got one more thing to say. I'll reverse. All right. All right, boy. Do it. All right, boys. Don't forget to. All you check you go say, boys, don't forget to leave us a review. Five stars only. If you don't, um, I'll sick Pacino Pie on you. Rate us on the ready or not scale. And he'll go, uh, she's got a great ass. Yeah. Or he'll go, Dunkachino. Or he'll go, Think about it. But you're only going to get to hear that if you share and rate. So do that. <laughs> and now you can do a... That's two explosions. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's more than most of these movies. <laughs> I'll tell you what. All right. Style sauerkraut. Style and sauerkraut. You got an explosion in the middle there. I did. I tried to do my best. Yeah. That's a five out of oh, five. Oh, that's baby. gross. You just blew up the sauerkraut. Now we got to clean that up. He's stinky.